Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. All right. Last week, I started sharing something with you. The title of my message was The Law Within. And today I'm going to carry on on the same thing, we, same theme. We are going to tweak it a little bit because it is Mother's Day. And I want to share something special for and, and concerning moms as well today. But before I just jump in and carry on, I want to just quickly do a little bit of recap on some of the things I shared last week. So we just all journey from the same place on the same platform. Last week we spoke about lordship. And we spoke about the fact that in the beginning, God was God, man was man. That's how God created it. And what the fall, the, the symbolism and the, the truth underlying the fall of mankind is that man decided that instead of being man and in subjection to God, that he wanted to be like God, even though he was already made in the image of God. He wanted to decide for himself what was good and what was right. And he wanted to become the Lord of his own life. And we know what the consequences of that was it was death uh, the, the selfish life living for self the pursuit of pleasure just for an end in and of itself as as an end goal leads to death it leads to us undermining our values and our beliefs and compromising on them again and again so when god re-established his covenant with his people he did so based on the principle of lordship he made covenant with abraham and he said I will be your God and you and your descendants will be my people. There's this beautiful relationship that God established uh, on a, of a relational kind of thing, not just uh, an aloof God up there, but a very personal God. But the understanding of lordship is that lordship comes with a measure of rule. It comes with a measure of government and within that a form of law. And I shared with you how I was reading through uh, the book of Exodus recently and Exodus 31:18 really struck me. It stuck out to me where it says that uh, God made an end of speaking with, with Moses on Mount Sinai and he gave him two tablets, the tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And just that thought of how beautiful and powerful that is, that God himself literally gave Moses the law. And the law was intended to show Moses or to indicate to Moses the standard of God, the righteousness of God, and also to, to point the people to the fact that they needed a savior, that they needed forgiveness. But law is also there to govern, to exercise rulership and lordship. So moving along from the old covenant into the new, Jeremiah, the prophet, saw something that was to come. And he spoke this prophetic word. He said in Jeremiah 31, 33, but this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so we see the intention in the new covenant is the same. I will be their God. They will be my people. A personal relationship established. But instead of a set of external laws, it, God said, I am going to do something beautiful. I'm going to put my instructions deep within them. And you are going to see that throughout everything I have to share today, the words deep within them will keep coming up again and again. 
What does he mean when God says deep within them? He means in your heart. He means in our souls, in the essence of our being, in our DNA, in who we are, in the source of our nature, really deep within our hearts, into the fabric of who we are. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And what he means by this also is that we will be able to live according to the same values, the same heart, the same ethos that God does. And we will live by the same code, the code of the love of God. Now we saw, we looked again last week, the last scripture in terms of our uh, recap, we looked in the life of Jesus and how he embodied this principle of the law of God residing within the heart of one and that person becoming the embodiment and the inculcation of that word. John 14, verse 8 to 10. I'll read it once again to you from, from the Message Bible. Philip, one of the disciples, is speaking to Jesus and he says, Master, show us the Father, then we will be content. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and don't you understand? To see me is to see the Father. That's what Jesus said. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. And so here we see Jesus articulating that principle that because God lives in me, that deep within me is the very essence of the nature and the love of God. I live from that place. And everything that I do, my motive is God's motive. The values I work from are God's values. And the love that I share are his love for the world around me. And Jesus laid down his life. We know that Jesus was the servant king. And he lived in a particular way to model to us what the love of God looks like. What are we talking about? We're talking about lordship. We're talking about the law of God, the nature, the love of God, the righteousness of God dwelling within us deep and us being attuned to and tuned into what is going on truly deep within our hearts. You see, when God speaks to us, some people have heard the, they say the audible voice of God. God said to me, God spoke to me. Now, I've heard God speak to me before, but I've never heard an audible voice. When I hear God speak, he speaks inside. He speaks to my heart. And the more time I spend with him, praying in the spirit, time in prayer, time in the word, my spiritual ears become attuned and aligned to that voice. And it becomes much easier for me to discern what the Lord of God is saying. But hearing God's word and knowing God's word and doing God's word are two different things. Saying to God, Lord, not only I understand this is what you're saying, but being willing to shift my life into that position, that is what it means to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, we see this value or this principle of Lordship worked out in another person's life in the Bible, and this is who I want to focus on this morning. And since it's Mother's Day, why don't we take a look at the very Mother of God? Let's look at Mary's life. And there's a few things that I want to share with you and highlight from her journey along the way that I know every one of us, even us guys, are going to be able to identify with. So please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, 
And we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, going through to verse 38. And like I said this morning, we, I, I want each of us to identify with Mary as best we can here. Gentlemen, we always tell the ladies that they need, that they are in Christ, they are sons of God. And today it's our turn to identify with Mary. You can do it, boys. You can manage. And so we're going to look at some of the aspects of Mary's life as she journeyed with God. And I want to start off right near the beginning of the journey where Mary is a young lady. Some say 16 years old, more or less. And in Luke 1.26, we see that the angel Gabriel comes to her and he says the following. So now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. What an incredible introduction. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, the angel Gabriel, the Bible teaches us, is God's herald. He's his chief herald. He's the one who goes to proclaim the word of God. And he goes to Mary and he speaks this over Mary. This was God's opinion of Mary, highly favored one, blessed among women. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Mary believed him? Do you think Mary was flattered by this announcement? Well, let's look at what comes next. But when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting was this? Now, folks, here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we, we, we glance over words and don't really pick up what is actually going here. Mary was troubled by this saying. She didn't just sit and go, oh, I'm highly favored. Of God. I'm God's chosen one. This guy interrupts her day. She's going about her business. And he says these incredible things over her that she is highly favored of God. Now, folks, I want to say to you today, that same word is true over your life. Because of Jesus, you are highly favored of God. You are blessed among men or women. You are a blessed person because the presence of God abides within you. But I bet you some of you will really have trouble believing that saying. Because of personal insecurities, perhaps because of your circumstances. So just because God says it doesn't mean that I'm feeling that way. Mary had to grapple with what was being said over her life at that time. Let's carry on. Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will receive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom this there will be no end now what an incredible thing to say to a woman i mean she's hearing these words it all it seems it seems beyond belief she's a jew she understands she must have some kind of idea of what the angel is talking about here but then mary said to the angel how can this be since i know no man logical question how is this possible you're saying all these things how can it possibly be true Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. 
That's an incredible, incredible verse of scripture. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. And then this next verse is really the crux of what I want to share with you. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let me put this to you in different words. God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. In other words, you will be mine. You are available for me. Here, Mary is articulating that very same thing, but in a different way. She's saying, behold, in other words, look upon me, the maidservant of the Lord. I am here and I am ready and I am willing to be available to God. And then she says, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This statement of submission, let it be to me according to your word. Now, please understand, we've already read, Mary grappled with this. She didn't necessarily understand everything that the angel was saying. She maybe didn't even feel like she was worthy of everything the angel was saying. But yet, she was there, and she opened her heart, and she allowed God to speak into the situation and submitted herself to what God was saying. She said, it, it, she embraced the Lordship, not according to what she thought was best, but according to what God thought was best. Now, folks, we need to understand, and we don't know to what degree Mary understood that this, this came with great responsibility to take on the child, not just a child. We're not just talking about a surrogate mom or an adoption here. We're talking about the child of God. This is heavy stuff. We understand in her situation and in her time, as somebody who was betrothed or engaged, engagement period normally lasted for about a year. And if you were unfaithful within that period, it was a crime punishable by death, at least by ostracization within the, within the community. And yet Mary submitted and allowed God to be God to her and through her. Now, folks, we read the story of Scripture and we understand who Mary was. But if we bring ourselves right into her situation, we've we got to remember that Mary didn't see the end. She didn't know what was about to come. She didn't understand what would be happening over the next months, apart from the fact that this angel said she is going to be pregnant with the child of God. She grappled and she wrestled with God's plan for her life, just like you and I do. She didn't have the whole picture. She had a promise. She had a word. She had a prophetic utterance spoken over her. But that's all she had for now. She had to work this out day by day, just like you and I do. And we see time and again how God encouraged her along the way. One of the, the ways is, you know, when, when Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem for the census and, uh, and they, they can't find room in the inn, and there they are in, in the stable where Jesus is born, and the next thing, three magi come and they produce with them gifts for a king. These aren't just gifts or tokens. These are gifts worthy of a king. So we're talking generous, big gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Huge value. 
And to me, that's like God saying, Mary, I'm not just only I'm not just asking you to take responsibility for my child and do everything for him. Yeah, I'm providing for you. This is his college fund, and this is his education, and this should be, you know, that'll cover his bar mitzvah and his first donkey. And you know, you, you'll be sorted from here. You, you're okay. She took care of Jesus' financial of, of Mary and Joseph's financial well-being. But not only that. I'm really blessed by the words that the shepherds spoke over Mary. So Mary and Joseph, they're, they're, sorry, the shepherds are in the field. We know the story. The angel comes and he says, behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Born unto you this day is the king and he's going to be in such and such a place. And there's a star and it's going to guide you. And so the shepherds come and they visit Mary and Joseph because of what the angel had said. And I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 2, 17 to 19. It says, now when they had seen him, they're speaking about the, the shepherds had seen Jesus, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, told them by the angel. In other words, that he would be the king. This is the Messiah. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Check out verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She kept these things in her heart. She carried them deep within her and she pondered them. They, they went around and around in her heart and in her mind. How, how will this come to pass? What is this going to look like? What must I do? How do I serve God faithfully? How do, what, is there anything special I need to teach his child? You can understand the wrestlings within the heart of a mother. And then again, we see the same thing. Jesus has now grown up. We're talking 12 years later. Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, as they do every single year. And they go with a whole company of people. And after the feast, they leave Jerusalem. It's, you know, Jesus is probably with one of his cousins or one of his friends running around. And they travel for three days before they realize that Jesus is actually not with the company. Where is this child of theirs? And so they travel all the way back to Jerusalem to try and find him. And eventually they go to the temple and they find Jesus in the temple. And we pick it, we can pick up the story in Luke 2 from verse 48. It says, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. I really like that. Why have you done this to us? We can understand the fear and the stress that enters your heart when you lose your child. Can you imagine the fear and the stress that must enter into your heart losing God's child? It's just another level. Nonetheless, verse 49, this is Jesus' response to them. And he said to them, why did you seek me? What a question. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? This is Jesus, 12 years old, talking to his parents. And look what verse 50 says. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. That's incredible, isn't it? They didn't understand what was being said to them. You see, Mary didn't have it all figured out. She didn't understand all the little steps in the process. But verse 51 again tells us, then they went, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now we've got a double whammy here. Both Jesus and Mary are grappling with the plan of God for their lives. 
Think about that. Jesus, 12 years old, says, Mom, don't you know that I've got to be doing the will of my father? He thinks that this is, he's now living it. He's now doing what he's called to do and being who he's called to be. Mary doesn't understand what is going on, says, Jesus, you're coming back with us to Nazareth. And both of them are grappling, understanding that God is in this thing. God is working in the midst of their lives and in their journey, but they don't really all have it figured out just yet. They're living life still day by day. Both are remaining sensitive, however, and yielded to God throughout the process. I want you to look at this. Jesus, son of God, remained in subjection to Mary, in submission to her, in under her lordship, even though she was still busy figuring things out. She didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He did. Well, of course, Jesus was a teenager. Of course, he understood what he was talking about and nobody else did. That's what that's the plight of every teenager, isn't it? But yet in that state, Jesus remained humble. He remained submissive to his mother, Mary. Now, although these things were going on, Mary is trying to obey God and walk with him and raising God's son. It's very interesting to note that Mary, the one who didn't have things figured out just at that time, the one who was grappling with all these things inside her heart, Mary is the one who released and ushered Jesus into his public ministry. It happened at Jesus' first miracle when he turned water into wine. Turn in your Bibles again with me to the book of John. John chapter 2. John 2 from verse 1. And it says the following. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine. Sorry, my dog is after us. Sorry. So when they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, she's not just commenting on the fact that they have no wine. It's like my wife saying to me, the sink is full. The dishwasher is full. Um, something that the bulb is broken. It's a statement which means I want you to do something about this. I'm looking to you to sort out this need. Jesus said to her woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, kids, this is probably not the best thing you could say to your moms on Mother's Day. However, let's understand what it is that Jesus is saying here. He's not being rude or conceited to his mom. I want to read you a commentary. Woman, what is that for you and for me? This is an Aramaic idiom, meaning what do we have in common if I do this? For Mary... It will change her. It, it will change her very little. But for Jesus, this will be his first public miracle and will dramatically change his ministry from this moment on as the crowds see the power that he possesses. Jesus knows this miracle ministry, that his miracle ministry will come out of hiding by performing a miracle. Yet with Mary's encouragement, Jesus proceeds to do just that. So Mary 
we see in the next verse, Jesus says, woman, what is this to do with me? Because he now realizes if he, if he acts now, this is a next step. This is a big deal. But Mary, taking no notice of him, looks at the servants and says to them, whatever he says to do, do it. She set the platform for Jesus. Now, Jesus still had to take the step of faith. Jesus still had to give the instruction. But we can see here that God powerfully uses Mary in this instance, not only to bring his son into the world, give birth to him, but also to give Jesus the nudge that he needed to usher him into the next season of his life. A season that Jesus himself was probably quite apprehensive about. I think by this stage, Jesus understood what his ministry would mean. Jesus understood what the end of his ministry would be. And so you can understand a measure of apprehension. I mean, just because there is apprehension doesn't mean there's no obedience. We see the apprehension again. I mentioned, I mentioned this often in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is praying, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, your will be done. Now, the story I've shared this morning with you, I believe, clearly and powerfully demonstrates that what God can do through the lives of those who humble themselves and embrace his lordship. Not just knowing what the word of God says, but treasuring deep within ourselves what God says about us as individuals, the plans and the purposes that he may have for us. And even in the midst of what we're going through, of what we're experiencing in our lives, grappling with those things deeply internally with the spirit of God, that his life may give us wisdom and guidance, that we may live from the place of his love, that we may live from the place of his leading in the midst of all the uncertainty that we may have. You see, having the presence of God gives us a sense of peace and comfort in the midst of uncertainty. We become content in knowing, not that I know what's going on, but I'm content in knowing that I know that God is with me no matter what goes on. I want to say to you that in the same way that God guided Jesus and was with him and was present with him, and in the same way that God guided Mary throughout her days as she grappled with her call of God, as she worked with the Lord and with his spirit as he led her, God will do the same for you today. I believe that over you today, over every single human being that is created on this earth, God, the love of God is reaching out for them. And to those who have accepted Jesus and, and know him as their Lord and Savior, I believe that God would say over you today, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you. Rejoice, rejoice, be happy. Be happy. You are highly favored. Why? Because God is with you. And he has blessed you. I believe he'll also say to you today, do not worry or be afraid. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, that does not mean that all of us are going to fall pregnant. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that God's grace and God's presence is, presence is more than enough to accomplish his plans and purposes for our lives. We can't do it ourselves. Mary could not have given birth to the Son of God on her own. She needed divine intervention. But the divine intervention of God is there for those who are willing to say, here I am, the servant of the Lord. I am willing to cooperate with you and with your plan for my life.
despite the fact that that plan may include suffering and sacrifice, I am willing. My question to you today, folks, is what will your response be? I want to encourage you to learn from Mary. To say, let it be to me, God, according to your will, according to your word. I want to encourage you. Keep the things that God reveals to you deep within your heart. Let them settle down deep inside and define who you are as well of, as well as why you do what you do and ponder on them. Let them roll over and over again in your mind. Let them become the cause for which you live your life and you spend your time. And finally, in the words of, of Mary, I want to say to you today, do whatever he tells you. Just as she said to the servants in the presence of Jesus, do whatever he tells you. Recognize who is Lord in the situation. Submit yourself to him. Those servants did not turn the water into wine, but they were the ones who delivered the best wine to every single guest. Why? Because they did what the Lord told them to do. Now, while you may not be able to heal anybody, while you may not be able to encourage or provide for anybody else, you might just be the servant who is the one God calls to go and deliver healing, encouragement, provision, hope, grace to somebody in their hour and in their time of need. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know the big plan. What you do have to remember is that God is with you where you are. He is not oblivious to your struggles, but he does have a word for you in this time and season, which will bring grace and strength to your heart, which will affirm and establish your identity as a beloved, highly favored son and daughter of God. And he will through you speak words into your, he will speak words into your heart that will empower you so that through you, you can be the conduit of love and grace and blessing to others. The Catholic Church reveres Mary. Sometimes I think we forget the price that she paid. But we learn from her this morning, this Mother's Day, on what great things God can do just through the heart of a mom. And just through somebody who is willing to say, Lord, let it be according, let it be according to your word in my life. So, folks, that's my message to you this morning. And I want to just pray that through with you before we move on to some of the other elements of our service today. So would you just bow your head with me this morning as we commit this word to the Lord? Our Father God, I want to thank you this morning for the lessons and the rich truths that we can gain as we look through scripture at your life, Lord Jesus, but also at the life of your mom. And as we celebrate Mother's Day today, Lord, and the sacrifices that mothers bear, and the joy that they find in being uh, moms. Lord, we're also reminded, Father, that, that to be, to sacrifice, to give, requires something from deep within. And Lord, I want to thank you this morning that over every one of our hearts, you have spoken words of life deep within our hearts. I thank you that your Holy Spirit abides within us, your presence within us. And that, Lord, we are your children sons and daughters of God, blessed by the Father and highly favored by him. 
I want to thank you, Lord God, that no matter where we find ourselves, that you are acutely aware of our circumstances, of our fears, of our anxieties, of the good, of the bad and the ugly. Lord, you know it all. And yet in the midst of where we are, you have a word to lift us up and to guide and to encourage us. Lord, we want to respond to that word this morning. We don't want to be hard of heart. We don't want to have hearts of stone, but we want to have hearts of flesh that are open and available to you to come and write your love into them, to transform them, to mold them, Lord God. And so, Father, this morning, our prayer to you, and if you, if you, if your heart is in this as well, you just pray this with me where you are. Father God, here I am. I am yours, and you are my God. Let it be to me according to your will. Whatever may come, I know that you are with me, that your grace is more than enough. And so I invite and ask you, Father, to glorify your name in and through my life. That as Mary and Jesus both did, that your life may be ushered into this world through me. Thank you for your love. Thank you that it changes our hearts, Father God. Thank you for what you're doing in the midst of our situation. And Lord, help us to hear your voice, to cooperate with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.